Good morning, everyone. I am Phil Bronzma. I am not the pastor at this church. I'm subbing in for Greg, who was off for most of this past week uh, at a seminar, part of his graduate studies. So I get the chance to, to talk and to bring God's word today. We're going to look at a bit of Mary, mother of Jesus, someone that we all know of and is in every manger scene, but is usually silent. And we're going to look at Mary at Elizabeth's house. After the angel came and talked to Mary, she went to spend three months with Elizabeth. Here's the main point I want you to be thinking about. Mary didn't complain, she didn't gripe. She, with the help of the Holy Spirit, and Elizabeth, and Joseph, I'm sure, embraced the change and made the interruption into an opportunity. That's the main theme. Think about that as we go through. Here's the setting. Luke chapter 1. Elizabeth is pregnant with John the Baptist. Liz is a relative of Mary. Doesn't say what. We presume a cousin, maybe an auntie. Um, Zechariah, Liz's husband, is a priest. And you may recall an angel went to see Zechariah when he was in the temple and told him that even though they're old, past childbearing age, they're going to have a child who's going to be a prophet and will prepare the way. Mary probably doesn't know any of this. You know, they didn't have email back then. They didn't have letters. Mary then gets visited by an angel in the night and is told, and we're familiar with this story, right? He, that Mary is going to have a child. They're going to he, name him Jesus because he's going to be the Savior. Joseph, remember Mary and Joseph were betrothed. That means they were well into the marriage process. They're committed, but they were still living in their family homes. They weren't together yet. Joseph is visited by an angel and was reassured and is told to marry. Mary. Now, here's where we pick it up. Mary goes to visit Liz. Remember, Elizabeth is about six months pregnant at this point. Mary is just pregnant. So there's, think about this. Everybody's getting interrupted. Zechariah gets interrupted because he's at retirement age. They've long ago given up on having kids. And here comes an angel and says, your prayers have been answered. You're going to have a baby. Liz, also retirement age, she gets to have the baby at retirement age. Mary, teenage girl, She's going to have a baby, too. Timing's not ideal. Joseph gets visited by an angel as well. There's angels all over the place here. I mean, so interruptions left and right. And we're going to see how these people respond to them. So we're going to read from Luke chapter 1, verses 39 to the end of the chapter, which I think is verse 56. So at that time, which means after the angel has visited Mary, presumably after 
Joseph gets visited by the angel, and Joseph is reassured and recommits to Mary, because there's no sense here that Mary is uncertain about her marital status, but the Bible doesn't say. So at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has formed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months, and then she returned home. A bit more on Mary's song. It's frequently called the Magnificat, because in Latin, the first phrase where it says, my soul magnifies the Lord, the Latin word, these are connected, Magnificat, magnify, and so traditionally this is called the Magnificat, the, the song that Mary says here. We, I don't remember ever studying this. Protestants traditionally don't emphasize this for a couple of reasons. One is Protestants you know, really want, at the time of the Reformation, want to separate themselves from the Catholic Church, which still has Mary on a very high pedestal. And nothing in here says that Mary is anything other than a blessed human being. She is not God. She is not a God. But that sense of praying to Mary was strong in the Reformation time, and we believe you pray to God. You you can say hi to Mary. Well, when I pray, sometimes I ask God to say hi to my mom and dad for me. But it's not like I'm praying to to my mom and dad that they will take care of something. And and there's a strong tradition in the Catholic Church that you pray to Mary. And so Protestants tended to not emphasize Mary. And the second reason is this last part of the the song is really anti-establishment. He has filled the hungry with good things, 
but has sent the rich away empty. And to the point where if you, and think about Protestant, especially Scottish, Northern European, Presbyterian, Calvinistic Protestants who say, you're going to work hard and God's going to bless you and you'll be well taken care of. This song really puts down the rich. So in some places, for some periods of time, this was banned from being preached about. So we get to have a look at it. Again, here are the main points. Mary embraces her new situation. May not have happened instantly, but here she is now maybe only a month or two along, and she recognizes the blessing from God for what it is. The Holy Spirit helps without a doubt, both directly into Mary's heart, through Joseph, certainly through Elizabeth. And Mary transitions this from being an interruption in her life to an opportunity that changes her life. Again, here's the main point for us. Interruptions are opportunities to change our habits and to become more Christ-like. Coming back to Mary, there's many reasons for her to be angry at God. I'm pregnant. There goes the wedding. I had the venue all picked out. Had my, you know, th- this is catastrophic for a teenage girl in a village of 400 people where everybody knows everybody. Probably related to half of them. There's no hiding that you're pregnant. And everybody knows that you're not living with Joseph yet. You have not finalized the wedding. This is catastrophic for a young teenage girl. The Bible doesn't say why she goes to Elizabeth's house. We can speculate, but I won't. But this is a trip. This is a big trip. If we look at a map, if we look at a map, Here we go. Here's a map. Nazareth, top arrow, is in the northern part of Israel in the area called Galilee. It says that she went to the hill country of Judea. doesn't say specifically which town, but the broad arrow is sort of pointing at Jerusalem. The hill country is Jerusalem, Bethlehem, around in there, where it's hilly. It's about 90 miles, depending on how you're walking. She's walking. This is not, I'm going across town to visit my cousin. This is a trip. This is a major trip. Certainly someone accompanied her. Probably not Joseph, because, you know, that would be scandalous to go traveling with your fiancé if you're not completed with your marriage. But somebody certainly went along. It may have taken, what, three? Not walk to, walking 90 miles on paths or dirt roads. It's, uh, it's real work. She stayed there three months. Um, when she left, the people of Nazareth probably didn't know she was pregnant yet. Maybe she needed some breathing space, spent some time with Elizabeth, whom she, clearly she trusted and liked. So, 
Now we're at Elizabeth. She probably had no idea of any of this going on with Mary at the time. Again, no emails, no letters. Chances, it's extremely likely that Mary and Joseph and Mary's family said, I'm going to go to Elizabeth for a couple of months. And they made arrangements, and off she went. And Mary comes in the door, and Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit, and it says, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you will bear. Why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to visit me? Is that cool or what? Can you imagine Mary? Walked for, you know, a week, still working all through this in her head, and Elizabeth knows through the Holy Spirit clearly what's going on and welcomes Mary and gives her a hug and blesses her. Think about Mary. Again, teenage girl. How am I going to do this? And here's this older woman that you trust and love who embraces you and tells you that this is Elizabeth might have been surprised too, right? I mean, the Holy Spirit put these words in her head. One minute before, she didn't know any of this. And the Bible clearly says she was filled with the Holy Spirit and said these things. You know, Zechariah was surprised, Mary surprised, maybe Elizabeth, but the Holy Spirit's in, in this time helping her, helping Mary to come to grips as a human with all these divine interventions and trying to figure out, okay, what does this mean for me? Liz is exuberant, and Mary certainly has to be acknowledging this. And here's Mary's response. Again, the Holy Spirit is, has to be doing this. It's unlikely that she spent her five days walking, composing this, little po- this poem off the cuff. Mary is probably illiterate, which 90%, 95% of everybody in Israel, they didn't know how to read and write. Mary was an obedient Jewish young woman. She went to, to um, church every Saturday. She listened to um, the, the Old Testament readings. But she, with the Holy Spirit's help, is articulating how wonderful this is. Praise to God for the blessings that Mary now is understanding, not just hearing. She's thankful for the blessing on a humble person. And she goes on to talk about how this is going to save the nation of Israel. Blessings on the poor and punishment for the arrogant and proud. And this comes up later in Jesus' time in the Beatitudes. This is really not a normal response for a young woman from a small town. Clearly, the Holy Spirit is working in her. And so for Mary, this interruption, she is using this interruption as an opportunity. She knows things have changed. That's real. She can't change that. But she came to understand what was going on. She didn't sulk. 
She didn't complain. She didn't have an outburst of anger. Why did God do this? Maybe she did. But by the time we get to this point, maybe only a month or two later, she's past that. And she says, oh, God has really blessed me here. And she, her life has changed. She embraced that change and said, I am going to work with this, not fight it. And if you think about this, when Jesus is born, oh, the phrase, Mary remembered these things and pondered them in her heart, right? She's learning all throughout, listening, putting pieces together. After this, she doesn't have an active role in Jesus' ministry, but she is present. And it's pretty clear, starting from here, that she is embracing this situation, adapting to it, not trying to go back to the, the way it, it was. And doing that's hard work. We know this, right? When, when, when something bad happens to us, how do I take care of it? I want to get back to normal. Think about COVID. I want to get back to normal. Well, back to the way things were in 2019, it's not going to happen. We have a lot of interruptions, too. COVID, from a society standpoint, is the huge one. It has changed. At every single one of us have had significant changes to our lifestyle. How we travel, when we travel, going out, staying in. Finding disinfectant cleaners. Remember the first months? Dealing with shortages, which we are not accustomed to in the United States. Many of us, and there's other things. You get the flu. You might have a knee replacement or a hip replacement. Or you have a job change. Or you're moving homes. Or you have kids. Or your kids finally move out. There, there's different change. No matter what your stage of life, there are interruptions. Minor ones, you have a cold. Okay, you're, you're, you're out for a, a day or two, and you're back to normal. Some, thing, some changes, they're not as dramatic as Mary's, but, you know, sometimes they are. You know, people get cancer. A loved one gets cancer. Or a loved one's hospitalized. I mean, some changes in our lives are significant and have permanent implications for us. Some of them are sort of in the middle. When I got downsized from Dow Chemical, I moved down here. I didn't die after first moving to Texas, which was, you know, not high on my list of concerns, but it, change of jobs, change of locations, becoming an empty nester at the same time because our youngest was just finishing high school. Carol and I had a lot of changes in our lives. They were real, and we started a whole new lifestyle down here. The core is the same. We're Christians. We worship. We participate in our faith, but we change everything. We, too, wherever it is, a job change, retirement, coming out of retirement, 
we have these changes, these interruptions, and I want us to look at them as opportunities. So we be, I want us to be deliberate in thinking about what does this interruption allow me to do differently? We have habits. Of course we do. Some huge fraction of our week, we do substantially the same things in substantially the same order. And that's pretty nice. But when we have an interruption, I want us to think about how do we take a step back and say, can I do something with this interruption rather than just, I want to get back to normal as soon as I can. That's my main point. Be deliberate in rethinking our habits. Don't rush to get back to normal. Pray. Think about it. And really to say, how can I use this interruption as a reason to change some of the other things in my schedule, to take advantage of that to be more Christ-like. That's the ultimate goal. Being a better human is not what God wants me to be. He wants me to be a better Christian, a Christ follower. And so if we use these interruptions say, I want to get back to normal as fast as I can, it might mean we're missing an opportunity to say, oh, I'm retiring. Well, I am retiring this summer. Here's a chance to do something different. And I should not just fill it with, oh, I'm going to go get a part-time job at the Home Depot. Don't, don't do something automatically. That's the point, to say, how can I use this to be, to build my faith, to build my participation? Let's not take the easy way out. So, to do. In your interruptions, whether, you know, small ones, not so much. You get a traffic ticket, yeah, that's an interruption. That's not going to cause you to quit your career and go back to seminary or something like that. Probably. Um, but as interruption, as the bigger the interruption, the bigger the opportunity. Ask yourself and ask God, what can I do better? How can I take this change in scheduling to build my faith? How can I use this change, this interruption, to practice my faith in a different way? Can I use this as a reason to say, oh, here's some other issue that I've sort of been postponing. Okay, let, let's pull that in too and say maybe it's a time for change in some other factor of your life that you just haven't gotten around to. How do I use an interruption to become more like Christ? Pray. Think. Those two things give it the Holy Spirit an open door to work on you, either directly by guiding your thoughts, 
maybe indirectly because you're having lunch with a friend who says, hey, have you ever thought about this? Holy Spirit works in a lot of ways. Just like with Mary, Elizabeth, no doubt, was a counselor and comforter for Mary for those three months. Our goal is to be more like Christ, not to be more like a human. I'm going to reread these first couple verses from Mary's song. Close your eyes. Listen to this. My soul soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, Holy is his name. And I want us to think the same thing about ourselves. That that I want my soul to glorify the Lord because God has been mindful of the humble state of his servant, Bill Bronson. Maybe not all generations, but I am blessed for the mighty one has done great things For me and through me, holy is his name. Please pray with me. God, as we look at this and we see how Mary, though from a social standpoint, is a disadvantaged young woman. Well, she's normal. She's not prepared to have a pregnancy before marriage. She's not prepared to have baby Jesus as her son, but you worked with her to guide her to see these as an opportunity, this as an opportunity to see the blessings of God, to look for ways that she she sees herself as blessed, that we want to be the same way. We want to see ourselves as blessed because you have been mindful of our humble states. God, help us to use interruptions as opportunities so that we are obedient to you in being good stewards of what you have given us, our time, our skills. Help us to be good stewards of these and use interruptions as opportunities to be thoughtful Christians, working to understand your blessings on us in every way and to respond in obedience. Amen. The hymn that we're going to sing in response is one titled, When Peace Like a River. This song... It was written in the late 1800s by a man who went through a lot of trauma. A four-year-old son died, lived in Chicago during the Great Chicago Fire, and all of his investments went up in smoke, literally. He sent his family to Europe ahead on a ship. It sank after a collision with another ship. All four of his daughters died. 
in that when that ship sank, his wife alone survived. So, five children dead, broke, heading to Europe to be with his wife. And he wrote this song. When peace like a river attends my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, you have taught me to say, It is well with my soul. So this guy, in the depths, I can't imagine the despair and the sadness. But his faith reflects the confidence and the peace that God gives you. And clearly, he had to move forward. And he said, it is well with my soul. It happened. I can't change that. It is well with my soul, and I'm going to move forward in faith. So, let's sing these together.